Ariel Hawani's MMA show is presented by Modelo, brewed for those with a fighting spirit. Hello there, friends. I hope you're all doing well. It's your old pal, Ariel Hawani, back with another Wednesday edition of the pod. We've got a great one planned for all of you. We'll be hearing from Dustin Poirier following his massive win over Dan Hooker on Saturday night. What a great fight that was. Also, we'll be hearing from Rose Namajunas ahead of her big fight, her big return fight at UFC 251 on July 11th, her first fight in about 14 months. So I can't wait for that. But before we get to all of that, today's the day, my friends. Baseball is back, sort of. Players are reporting back to spring training 2.0 or quote-unquote summer camp, as they're calling it. On today's ESPN Daily Podcast, MLB reporter Jesse Rogers talks to Mina Kimes all about the return and what fans can expect once the season hopefully gets going later this month. That's ESPN Daily, and you can subscribe and download to the podcast wherever you get your podcasts. All right, let's do this. And as always, listener discretion is advised. On this Wednesday, July 1st, 2020. Hello again, everyone. Hope you're doing well on this Wednesday afternoon. And let me be the first to wish you all a happy Canada Day. This is one of my favorite days of the year, Canada Day. I am so proud to be Canadian. I love being a Canadian. It's one of the great days on the calendar. And uh, I'll be honest, it makes me a little bit homesick, a little nostalgic. I can't even go home these days. The border is closed. But I've been having fun all day long, reminiscing about some of the great moments in the history of Canadian sports. And before we begin today's program, I wanted to give a shout out. I wanted to salute George St. Pierre, Carlos Newton, Rory McDonald, David Loiseau, Patrick Cote, TJ Grant, Mark Hominick, Sam Stout, Gary Goodridge, Dennis Kang, Sarah Kaufman, Alexis Davis, Ivan Salivary, some of the all-time greats who ever competed in the UFC, in MMA, proud Canadians, Mark Bocek, so many come to mind, but also some of the greats who are doing things right now in the UFC, making us proud of their Canadian roots. Jillian Robertson, Tanner Boser this past uh, Saturday as well. Felicia Spencer had a big fight in June. Anyway, always proud to be Canadian, and uh, there's a rich history of uh, Canadian MMA and uh, Canadian fighters who have done great things, not only in the UFC, but in many different organizations. So I wanted to give them a shout out at the beginning of today's program. Now, uh, speaking of this past Saturday, Dustin Poirier had an amazing win over Dan Hooker, fight of the year contender. Back and forth they went. It's always so great to talk to Dustin after his fights. He's a very thoughtful person. Uh, he, he reflects uh, very honestly, I think, on his fights, the good and the bad. He's very comfortable talking about it all. And uh, we had a chance to talk to Dustin about the big win, where he goes from here, uh, a chance encounter with Dan Hooker at the hospital in Las Vegas after the fight, and a whole lot more. Enjoy. All right, so we have so much to talk about, and congratulations on another amazing win for you. Uh, first things first, how are you feeling? Because I know that you were transported to the hospital after the fight. Overall, how's the body feeling? I'm busted up, man. I actually had a, a couple of x-rays done this morning, and I'm going follow-up tomorrow morning for an MRI on my shin just to make sure there's no hairline fractures because uh, Dan was kicking bone on bone a lot, you know, on my, on my lead shin. And, um, you know, my, I can send you a pic after this interview if you want, but my foot is swollen like a balloon. My ankle is huge wow. from all the blood running down from my shin. But other than that, man, you know, bumps and bruises, my hands and my ribs, a little bit of soreness, but I'm good. When did you start to feel that your, your shin was messed up? I mean, early in the fight, I, I, I don't think anything's wrong with it. It's just precautionary, you know, cause mm -hmm. it's so swollen and, and busted up and it's so tender. Uh, but early in the fight, he, he, you know, had my leg compromised with those shin kicks. And how about your face? Who the hell throws shin kicks? I mean, calf <laughs> kicks. Usually yeah. you're damaging the soft parts of the bodies, right? Like inside of the thigh, outside of the thigh, calf. Who goes shin on shin, man? Have you ever experienced that? Or at least someone that did it that many times? No, not that many times. The only person who's ever done it to me was Eddie Alvarez in the second fight. He went shin on shin once or twice, but then stopped. Uh, because it's obviously damaging you, you as well. Um, I haven't seen a report or spoke to Dan Hooker, but at the hospital, his coaches were saying that his foot was broken. He broke his foot on my shin. That's what his coaches said. I don't know if the, the x-rays came back and showed that, but he was damaged from throwing that, that kick. Oh, wow. Um, and, and is your face okay? Just like bruising and all that, but otherwise okay? Yeah, I had a CAT scan on my face. Nothing's broken. Just a lot okay. of bruising. 
you know, and uh, I'm taking extra precaution with my brain, obviously, you know, I, I got hit a lot in that fight, probably one of the most shots that I've taken, you know, most uh, strikes that I've had landed against me in, in a fight, I think. Yeah, you know, I wanted to ask you about that because I was talking about this on, on Monday with DC. Just, you know, these, these fights are awesome, right? And you always want to win. But at any point, are you concerned that you're taking too much damage at this juncture in your career? Because you've been around for so long. Does this, does this make yeah. you at all? Yeah, every time out. I'm, uh, you know, I, I, the thing is, Ariel, I love this sport so much. But at the same time, I, I can't love it to where it, it kills me. Not, not, not to say that I'm going to die in, in the octagon but to, to where it takes a part of me that I can never get back um, in the future. And we don't know the long-term effects, you know, and 30 years from now, I might realize that I, I took too many shots, but right now I'm just doing precautionary stuff, you know, taking a lot of fish oils, taking a lot of turmeric, CBD, uh, lion's mane mushroom, not drinking alcohol. You know, I didn't drink and party after the fight. I wanted to let my brain rest mm. and uh, just trying to be smart, man, and be, and be mature about the whole thing. Cause like you said, I've been doing this a long time. Uh, but but that that being said, I feel great. You know, I, I never have any problems. Do you spar less leading up to the fights? The last few years, I've been sparring a lot less. I probably, but I still. I mean, I get down, man. I okay. uh, yeah, I um, probably do five weeks instead of year round. You know, right? Yeah. Okay. Um, and so you mentioned uh, being at the hospital. Uh, Dan Hooker did a, an interview earlier today with Submission Radio, and he talked about how you guys were just separated by a sheet, and you, I guess you like said, hey, Dan, is that you? And then you sort of talked things out when you were there. What's your side of that story? I, I didn't hear his uh, interview, but yeah, that's exactly what happened. They rolled him in, and I heard him talking. I kind of heard an accent. I thought it was him next, next to me. Um, he sounded like he was in a lot of pain, man. Uh, he was, but uh, after the doctor left from seeing him, I started speaking to him and I told him, you know, I wish him well and I hope that he has a safe tra travel back and that he gets to see his family. Because earlier in the week I had heard or read some stuff of him being separated from his family for two weeks, quarantined and stuff. So, you know, I'm a father as well to a little girl just like him. So I told mm -hmm. him I wish him the best and I hope he gets to see his family. And then you posted or he posted the picture of, of not being able to see his family. So, you know, I feel, I feel, I feel sad for him, man. Isn't that heartbreaking? And I'm sure that you can relate to that. I mean, his daughter looks almost like the same age as your daughter, right? And to be right. separated for 14 days, I'm sure after a fight like that, the first thing you want to do is just hug your, your little girl, right? When you saw that, how did you feel? You know, my, my little girl's right here. I'm wrestling around on the floor with her this morning, right before I came sit right here. So it, it sucks, you know, but two weeks will go by and, and he'll be reunited with her, you know, as long as he's, he's healthy and safe and back home safely. So life is, life is good, man. You know, it sucks to see that picture and it's sad to be away from his family for two weeks, but all in all, is everything's good. Do you agree with most people's assessment that he won the first two rounds and then you won the last three? Yeah, I think, uh, you know, the first round wasn't like a big win, but he might've squeaked it out. The second round, I thought I was winning until the end of the round, which probably would, would give it to him, to the judges, you know, he finished strong and, uh, then I thought I was, I was up. I didn't know, you know, you never know with these judges, but I thought I won the fight. Were you worried going into the third? Like, Hey, you know, I need to pick this up. Dude, I was busted up, man. Honestly, going into the third, I just needed to get recomposed and, and start putting good combinations and, and moving, moving a little bit better in there. He hurt me good in the second round. Yeah. That, that finishing sequence there where it seemed like he landed 10 straight punches on you. Uh, with unbelievable output and your chin too. Like, I, I don't know how you were still standing at the end of that. What did that feel like? Like when you were walking back to the corner, do you even remember that? It's kind of blurry. You know, honestly, it's kind of blurry. Um, even, even the end of the combination when he was hitting me and then he slid a knee threw a knee in there that, that got me, man, it got me good. And I'm just glad my legs held me up and Herb didn't stop the fight. You know, if there was a, you know, another minute left, I would have been in trouble. Really? You felt that way? Yeah. Wow. Um, have you rewatched the fight? Yes. When you watch that, like, especially like that sequence there, what goes through your mind? I just, I know I'm better than that. You know, I don't know what I was doing sitting in front of him and letting him go get off on shots like that. And I admired a lot of those rounds. I was admiring my work, you know, I was landing shots and taking pictures mm. and, uh, I should have been getting out of the way. You know, uh, it's crazy that I've been doing it so long and then no better than that and still makes mistakes like that. That's just crazy. I guess that's fighting, but that's just crazy, man, to keep making mistakes like that. But just got to tighten up, keep getting better, try not to do the same thing again. 
So uh, fair to say, based on, on that answer, like, are you not totally happy with the body work? Obviously, you're happy with the win, but do you feel like that wasn't one of your better performances? I mean, the thing is with me, I know, like, I'm not going out there to show you guys that I'm gritty mm-hmm. and that I'm durable and that I, you know, have that dog in me. I know that. I don't want to pull that out all the time because that means I'm in, in wars. I know I have that. I'm not trying to prove that. So I want to go in there and I want to beat these guys, you know, I want to have a clean sweep. I want to be better than these guys, make them miss, make them pay. And I want to put these guys away and, and do it fashionable, you know, uh, going in there and having a war like that. I'm better. I'm better than that. I thought the, uh, the, the, the final sequence, like right after the fight was over where you were kind of just standing there and he was being tended to, and then you kind of went over to him. I found that to be fascinating because you gave us maybe, you know, it seemed like there was a lot of respect between you guys leading up to the fight, but you gave us a window into the fact that maybe you didn't like some of the things that he said leading up to the fight about, uh, I think maybe you were referring to the fact that he was saying like, oh, people are going to have to start calling me out after I win and talking about, you know, Ferguson, Connor, et cetera. Were you annoyed by some of that talk? And was that your way of being like, hey man, next time, like don't put the cart before the horse. Yeah. Don't, don't count the chickens before they hatch, you know, but the thing is too, at the same time is I don't watch like my opponent's interviews or read their articles. All, only thing I'm getting news from is headlines. So wow. if I'm on Twitter and I see the headline, Dan said, whatever, you know, so a lot of that stuff can be twisted and, and clickbait stuff that he might've said those things, but didn't say it in that demeanor or in that way, you know? So uh, but I don't hold anything against these guys. He's doing what he's supposed to do. Even if he said all of that stuff and meant it, meant it in, in, uh, in an asshole way, he, good for him. He's supposed to. If he'd have beat me, he would look even better after saying all that stuff. You know, the, the sport these days is a fashion show, man. It's a fashion show. What do you mean by that? I mean, it's, it's, it's what you say. And, of course, you have to perform. But it's what you say and what headlines you put out there. And, and uh, not so, I'm not, I don't mean it as like what you wear or clothes, sure, but it's, just sure. a, it's a fashion show, man. It's just who can peacock and, and do all this stuff. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm a dying breed, man. I'm, I'm one of the old school guys who come out here just to scrap, just bleed. And, and I'm, I do it for the love of the, uh, the battle, man. So in, in your perfect world, like all that other stuff would not exist, right? You just want the fight and then go home and that's it. I just want the, and if it's real, you know, yeah. if two guys really dislike each other, I, I'm in, but the fabricated stuff or just talking to, to, to make headlines and all that stuff, it's, it's very unattractive to me, man. Is it, is it possible, given that uh, line of thinking, that you really enjoyed fighting in the empty arena? There, there was no, like, hoopla, none of that stuff. It was just about the fight itself. Did you enjoy the experience? Loved it. Loved <laughs> it. If, if I can choose, I would fight like that for the rest of my career. Wow, why? Because it's just intimate. It's just, I felt, it felt like it was just me and Dan, uh, mano y mano, and I'm better than these guys. I'm willing to suffer more than these guys. I'm willing to push harder than these guys. I was just very focused, and uh, I like that feeling. It's like I'm, you know, that, I feel like I can perform. That's not the scenario it's going to be like that all the time. It's going to be crazy in there. But that's, I can perform in that because it's, like I'm, it's true. It's just us, no outside, no, no nothing, no distraction. It's just fighting, and that's what I do best. What about the smaller cage? Did that remind you of the, uh, the WEC days? Yeah. I, and you know what's crazy is like weigh-ins the day before, and uh, I did some other stuff at the Apex that week. Uh, walking around the cage, they wouldn't allow me to get in it before. Ah. So I didn't really get to move around in it. But sitting, standing and looking at it from the ground, it, it looked a little bit bigger than I thought. But when I got into it on fight night, I was like, my goodness, this is small. <laughs> so uh, when you guys were talking in the, uh, in the hospital, like did you – I mean, are, are there any hard feelings between you guys or it's all good? Not at all. Not okay. At all. Yeah. And there never was. Okay. You know, it was just business. And uh, he did some talking and, and stuff that I saw on headlines. Maybe he didn't. Maybe they skewed it and twisted it a certain way to make people think that he was. But uh, he said some stuff that I saw on headlines, like he was counting his chickens. You know, um, he was saying he was going to fight the Gaethje or Ferguson. He was going to knock me out, all this and that. But it's a fist fight. You're supposed to say that type of stuff. But I didn't say anything at all in the lead up. Yeah. I just put my head down and went to work. And then after the fight, you know, we bleed for 25 minutes. Now let's talk a little bit. Let's yeah, talk yeah. a little bit now. Yeah. You know, um, obviously everyone remembers after the Habib fight, uh, you said you, you talked a little bit about, you know, your future and not being sure. But then shortly thereafter, you said, no, you're going to keep going. This was your first fight since. 
that fight feels like it happened five years ago now. You know, so much has happened in this world. Um, but it, just in terms of like your confidence going into the fight, this being your first fight since the title fight and how that fight went for you, your first loss in a while, how were you feeling in the days leading up to the fight? Were you doubting yourself? Did it feel a little different? What was going through your mind? I don't doubt myself ever, really. Um, I'm always nervous and stuff, you know. I don't shy or hide away or try to act like I'm not. I'm definitely nervous um, because I know however prepared I am, I can do everything right and, and be 100% ready and, and you get in there and it's the unknown, you know. You can be prepared and still lose. That part is always in the back of my head. But the doubt, I, I believe in my skills, man, and I, and I trust in myself when things get gritty and, and I need to rely on me to pull through. I, I really do have a strong trust and belief in myself and my perseverance in there. But uh, yeah, just normal nerves. It felt like another fight week. Okay. So no different since you were coming off the Habib fight? No. Do you feel like that fight changed you at all? Like, are you a better fighter, a different fighter as a result of fighting arguably the greatest fighter of all time in some people's eyes? Yeah, I, I learned lessons for sure in, in that fight. And uh, in transitions, I needed, you know, there was a, the fight with Michael Johnson where I was just, thought I was so much better than the guy and uh, didn't respect, you know, his punching power, didn't respect, and I paid for it. I got knocked out or I got TKO'd. And uh, me and my coach went back to the drawing board once again, a place we've been often, you know, and we, we decided we have to be defensively responsible. You know, I need to be defensively responsible at all times. I have to preserve myself and protect myself. You know, no matter how much better I think I am than these guys, they're dangerous. They're looking to feed their family. They're looking to get a win, progress their career by any means. So we, we spent months on being defensively responsible, standing up, being defensively responsible with checking kicks and, and keeping myself safe. And somewhere along the line, I, I just totally forgot to be defensively responsible in the grappling scenarios as well. You know, just being I've, I've been grappling for a long time, you know, comp like competitively since I was a white belt I used to do gi no gi every tournament I can do for years and years and just having good guys on my back and uh training with the best guys in the world and spending so much time under that pressure it just kind of when when the siren should be going off it's not going off because I'm just spent so much time there and I'm so comfortable there you know and against guys like Khabib where you make one mistake and, and it's checkmate you just can't be that comfortable you need to, the alarm needs to be going off you need to be in a in a safe mode. And, and, and I wasn't, you know, I just feel like sometimes I get in there, I'm gonna do whatever I want. I'm getting up, you're not going to do, you know, and make one mistake. So I just need to be defensively responsible everywhere. And uh, once again, I made mistakes in this fight and didn't protect myself as well as I should in the stand up. But I knew one thing's for sure. It was Dan wasn't going to submit me. You know, I did a lot of work and really paid a lot of attention to positions and, and um, defense. Uh, did you see Habib uh, wrote a few nice things about you? And if so, what did you think of that? I saw a, uh, he, he commented on maybe ESPN MMA's um, Instagram post. I saw that. Mm -hmm. and I, I, that's cool, man. I appreciate it. Dude, I'm just being, you know, at this point in my career, like uh, I've, I've been up and I've been down so many times and I've done it. I've, I feel like I've done it all. Like that I, I really, when you asked me if I felt any different leading up to the fight, it, it just felt like I'm the best I've ever felt because I have nothing to hide. I'm not trying to be something I'm not. Mm -hmm. I'm really very transparent with who I am and, and what I, you know, what I like, how I like to fight, where my passions are. I just feel like I'm really myself and it's a good feeling. So, you know, I think Khabib and other people, it's, it's, it's a breath of fresh air in this crazy time and in this crazy uh, landscape of guys talking shit and acting like they're badasses and all that. It's, you know, just to see a real person be himself, I think is, is fresh air. And, and that's what, you know, Khabib appreciates that. I couldn't agree with you more. And from this side of the, the table, it, it comes across that way that you are being yourself. And to me, what's so fascinating is that loss, obviously, you know, you, you wanted to win that fight. You wanted to be the undisputed champion and, and beat Khabib. You are infinitely more popular today as a result of how you handled that fight and even the way you fought in that fight, the aftermath. Then, then maybe if you would have won the fight and maybe acted like, you know, a jackass, like celebrating and rubbing it in and stuff like that. Do you get that same thing? Like even just looking at, superficial things like your social media falling and all that that's one thing but like the way people talk about you and respect you and revere you has changed dramatically since that fight do you notice that as well yeah 100 percent. and i think like like we were saying i think it's because i just am who i am hmm. uh people see themselves in me just a hard worker somebody who does make mistakes somebody who loses sometimes but pulls his shit back together and, and finds a way to win again you know 
pe people that that's who a lot of people are. And, you know, sometimes these guys put like an aura that they're just like some superhero, some badass and stuff like that. And people do like that. And there's a lot of fans and, and a lot of people who want to follow that, but there's something special about a connection whenever you see somebody and you're like, Oh damn, this, this guy's just like me. He really just made all this stuff happen and picked himself up again and, and made it happen again. Wow. You know, I, I feel like truly my fan base, uh, from what I read and when they reach out to me, that's what they feel, you know, and, and I appreciate that. Being comfortable in your own skin is such a powerful thing. Do you remember when you were able to finally feel that way? Like, was there a turning point in your life and career? It definitely started happening after the Conor McGregor loss. That was like, really? the, that was the, yeah, that was the start of it, you know, and it's been a long process mm -hmm. and then being a father and then losing again and, you know, winning some and losing again and, and then winning another one. It's just a long evolution of, stop caring so much, you know, you just stop caring about this, the noise and the stuff that doesn't matter. Why that fight? Why do you think that's the one that started it? Because a lot of times in my younger career, I felt like it was life or death, you know, every comment on Instagram and Twitter, you know, every uh, journalist who said something or, you know, I felt like everybody was against me. I felt like uh, if I lost, I would be written off. It's the end of my career. You know, I'm a bum if I lose this fight or it's just, and then you lose a few times and you realize, oh shit, I can still put this back together. Oh man, I'm still providing for my family. I'm, I'm still loving what I do. It's, it's like you've been bent, but not broken a lot of times. And I feel like it made me stronger and it made me the man I am today, man. I'm happy. I'm just like, I'm genuinely happy. And I got to say, I love your relationship with Teddy Atlas, like to get respect from that guy. And like, he always goes out of his way to give you props during your fights. Now, you know, you're doing something right. Cause like, he's like the most no nonsense guy out there, right? Like that's a true, you know, fight aficionado. That must be really cool. It, it's incredible. And, and the way he uh, articulates yeah. the things that like we feel in fighting it is a hard thing to do because like a lot of people doesn't, don't even understand some of the things he's saying because I feel it because I know exactly what he means. Mike Tyson's another guy who's just really can put things in, into put feelings into words that we only, only fighters know. And, mm -hmm. uh, you know, I, I really appreciate that. But the crazy thing is I watched Teddy's interview yesterday. And, uh, after we got out the octagon, my boxing coach came into the back, you know, walked in the back with me. He was like, Dustin, you did a great job, but man, you're sitting in front of him after you throw, you're taking pictures of your work. You're admiring your work. You land a shot and look to see if he's feeling it, you know? And then Teddy said the exact same thing. He said, I was waiting for my receipt after I exchanged. And, <laughs> uh, and, and it's true, man. So I got some stuff to work on. And I know better than that. You know, I know better than that. It's just like it. But to hear them both say that that's the only critique both of the boxing coaches gave me. My, my boxing coach and Teddy Atlas both gave me the same critique. So we got to sharpen that up, man. Okay, just a couple more things and then I'll let you go. I really appreciate the time as always. Uh, you did not like my tweet after the fight suggesting you versus Tony Ferguson. I just want to clarify. I wasn't saying next. I'm I all think, for take. You know I what I mean? I think I was in the ambulance when you <laughs> tweeted that. That's why. No, I, I get it. I was just saying, I, you know, it's always fun to call out the next guy and see what's, but please, I, I hope you don't think I was saying like, I want this fight to happen in August. Dude, I know September. that. Yeah, I know yeah. that. And that was props to you. You know, that's just such a great fight. Uh, at some point down the line, do you like the idea of that? Or do you not even want to talk about anything that's next at the moment? And I respect that if, if, if that's the case. Well, I'm going to take some time for sure to let my body heal. Next week, I'm taking my family on a small vacation uh, just right here to Florida. Nothing crazy. Just get some sun, get some beach time and just relax, you know, let my mind relax. And uh, we'll see. I mean, I'm definitely not going to fight back far. You know, I think they just moved me up in the rankings now. You know, of course, I want to be the undisputed world champion, but we'll see when the UFC calls me. We'll see what happens, man. Money talks. Do you consider yourself the second best lightweight in the world, as, as DC said on Monday? Dude, I feel like I'm the best in the world, man. Mm. You know, I made mistakes and I've got beaten by, by Khabib. But uh, I know that I can beat Khabib Nurmagomedov. Madoff. I know I can. I can beat any one of these guys. Is that like, is that still the motivation? You want to get that one back? You feel no, like it will I, I don't want to get anyone back. I don't, oh. I'm, I'm not in the grudge match business. I, I'm not in that. I want to be the best in the world. I want to be the undisputed world champion. You know, like, like we were saying, I don't know how many fights I have left. I still feel young. I still feel great, fresh. I love what I do. Um, but I do not want to continue for another five years fighting fights like I just fought hmm. because I don't want to love this so much that it kills me, you know. Hmm.
then you use that word lightly. Not I mean, I'm going to die in there. Like I said, I just mean, it's going to take something that I can't get back. Not only from me, but from the ones I love. That's what I'm more worried about. You know, I want to be there for my daughter forever. I want to be there for my wife. I don't want to start fading away, you know, mentally or anything like that. And I know, and I just know that that's a reality with what we do in combat sports, you know, and, you and I'm just not, you know, be, I don't beat around the bush. I know that that's a possibility and I know that what I'm doing isn't good for myself. So I, I talk about it openly. You mentioned money talks. You want to get paid more? Uh, we'll see, man. I, I, I feel like the fights that I put on, you know, I, I don't like the winning the show and win stuff. I feel like I should, did, bro. I feel I feel like I should get paid for the attempt. I'm gonna go out there and give it all my all regardless. You know what I mean? Um, I put it all on the line every time, win, lose, or draw, and uh, that's what I feel like I should be paid for the attempt. Yep, I couldn't agree more. Especially for main event fights, I I don't think that there should be a show and win. I mean, Dan Hooker deserves everything, right? He does. Um, I, I wish he. I hope hopefully they send him his, you know, a win bonus too. The guy left it all in there. He's away from his family. He's sacrificing. And we put on a hell of a show, you know, on, on a Saturday night with no other sports going on. And it takes two to put on a fight like that. Last thing, I'd be remiss if I don't bring up uh, the Good Fight Foundation. You were honored before the fight. Uh, you got the, the Forrest Griffin Award for your community service. Uh, obviously, supremely uh, well-deserved. First of all, did you know that that was coming or were you caught off guard by it? Because you were a little emotional. Had no clue. They, wow. uh, I made weight. I sat back down, thought I was going to go do my medicals. And then they came, grabbed me and said, Hey, we want to do a ESPN spot. It's going to be live or, or it's going to be on ESPN live. And we'll do this right now. And uh, I didn't, I had no clue. Um, and, and so for this fight, cause every fight you have a, a different mission, this one, you paid for an entire restaurant in Lafayette um, on Saturday night to watch your fight. And uh, you'll also be auctioning off your gear again, correct? Yeah. So we, we paid for, for everybody Saturday night to watch the fight just to help a local business called Brodus Burger. Locally, uh, the guy's from Lafayette, Louisiana. He started this business by himself and, and really, you know, turned it into something. So it's awesome to see local guys and support local. So I wanted to help his business and, you know, because obviously sales are down right now in the quarantine and everything. And also give people a, a, a free meal and a reason to get together and talk something, talk something positive, man, mm -hmm. about a, a local fighter and, yeah, but the, the, the money we're making from this auction is going to be the kickoff for our back-to-school drive we're going to do. Oh, wow. And what is that? What is that for? For a couple of local schools, we're going to do uh, backpacks, school supplies for the year. You know, everybody's feeling the crunch of this, uh, corona and, and lack of work and stuff like that. And I don't think kids should have to worry about any of their school supplies. And, and uh, you know, I'd like to do a few schools, do the whole school, school supplies for the year for every student at the school. And then also I'd like to, I don't know if, if we can get those, get these information, but find out the kids who are uh, having trouble with the, getting their lunches paid or who, who aren't on free lunch and uh, make sure those kids have a hot meal every day of the, uh, of the school, school week. The auction, um, is it up yet? Has it started? No, what I'm waiting for, Mike Brown actually took my gloves and hand wraps in his bag on accident. So he's, he's uh, shipping it to me. And as soon as I get them, then we're going to list everything. Awesome. All right. And the, uh, the website is uh, goodfightfoundation.org? Uh, the Good Fight Group. Good Fight Group, excuse me. Goodfightgroup.org. Um, so definitely check that out if you're someone interested in getting that gear for one of the best fights uh, of the year. Do you think, by the way, best fight of the year, people debating? What do you think? You know, I, I'd have to go back and watch Joanna's fight. Yeah. Which, which it was an incredible fight, you know. Um, I just have to go back and rewatch it because I remember I was at my buddy's house and we were all screaming and yelling and stuff like that. But it's definitely one. It's up there for sure. It felt like it. It still feels like it right now. Yes, I'm I would imagine. Uh, well, get well soon, my man. Thank you so much for the time. Uh, you're, you're a credit to the sport. Uh, you represent the sport as well, if not better than anyone. So uh, it's so good to have you um, still fighting and still loving the sport. And uh, hopefully you recover quickly and uh, can get back in there sooner rather than later, but not next month like you thought I was suggesting. Just at some point. You come back in 2021 for all I care. That You just take your time, okay? I don't want you to think I'm some bloodthirsty animal here. Oh, man, you savage. Always love talking to Dustin Poirier, like I said at the top, very honest about his his fights, is okay talking about the good and the bad, and has truly become one of the most popular fighters in this sport, and it's well-deserved. A guy who has put in his time, paid his dues, did it the hard way, took the long route. 
to get to this point. But if you look at his following and the way people just love him and respect him so much, fighters and fans, it's really great to see. And it's great to see that the uh, Khabib loss has not defined him. And, and now here he is, as DC said on Monday, in, in many people's eyes as well, the second best lightweight in the world. He has that win over Justin Gaethje, so it's not a crazy statement if you think about it. Now, coming up right after this, we'll talk to Thug Rose, another very popular fighter. She finally returns on July 11th, UFC 251 rematch against Jessica Andrade. Everyone looking forward to seeing how she looks in that fight in Abu Dhabi, so stick around. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Does Monday at the office feel like a storm? Not with Microsoft Copilot. That feeling when Copilot gets everyone up to speed instantly? It's sunny again. When Copilot simplifies complex data so your teams can act, that sun's shining on a beach. And when Copilot uncovers hidden insights, you're on that beach with your people, and you find buried treasure. That's Microsoft Copilot. Learn more at Microsoft.com slash AI for all. The former UFC strawweight champion and uh, the young woman who will be returning to action on July 11th, UFC 251, one of the most anticipated fights on that card, Rose Namajunas against Jessica Andrade 2, and she's back. Rose is back. It's been over seven months since we last talked to her, and it's great to talk to her again. Rose, how are you? I'm good. Uh, yeah, time flies, huh? Yes, it has been a while. And uh, happy belated birthday to you as well. I know you celebrated on Monday. Are you are you a big birthday person? Are you the type who goes crazy on your birthday? Not normally. I mean, I did a workout today. <laughs> uh, we'll probably me and my mom will go get some pedicures, and um, we just you know just hang out with the family, but nothing nothing too crazy. And of course, this is all going on in the midst of this pandemic, which is still very much a thing. How difficult has it been to train for this fight? Um, actually not at all. I mean, it, uh, so prior to this training camp, we, um, I've actually, when I first got, um, when I first fought Andraj, I, um, wanted to make my gym into a garage. I mean, I'm sorry, my garage into a gym <laughs> and, uh, and then I just never got around to it. And then, so I finally did. And, um, it just came in perfect timing for all of this. We got the mats in there we got the weights um, all of our gear and that's pretty much all you need. So I remember when, uh, when we last spoke in November, um, that's when you told us that you were in fact going to continue with your career, that you got the love back. Uh, you, you were a little emotional talking about, you know, the state of your career and whatnot. And now here we are seven months later, almost eight months and you're about to fight. Um, obviously you didn't plan on this happening, right? Hello, Pat. How are you? Thank hey, you. What's up, man? Good to see you, my man. Um, but I'm just wondering how you feel about the sport now, like perhaps even the extended layoff. Did it help you even more? This is the longest layoff of your pro career. So I'm wondering how it's been for you. Yeah. Um, it's, uh, I love this sport, you know, there's definitely, there's always things to, to gripe and complain about, but, um, this is what I love to do, man. I'm a martial artist and, uh, I'm, you know, I'm just, pretty much hitting my prime right now so it's just like everything's like all of a sudden coming together it seemed like everything was kind of falling apart but now it's uh sometimes you gotta sometimes things gotta crumble down before you can put it back together again you know before before the Andrade fight you mean that it was falling apart um I think uh I don't know why but ever since I turned 26 I think I just was I dealt with a lot of like just becoming an adult was kind of difficult. <laughs> mm -hmm. um, but yeah, just uh, losing my title and um, all of that, that sad shit, <laughs> all of that ungratefulness and bitterness. Um, I just went through a lot of different stages and I just kind of grown to understand some things that, um, yeah, it's just everything's temporary, you know? So you just kind of have to live in the moment and you enjoy yourself as much as possible, you know? Absolutely. Uh, do you miss like everything that goes into preparing for a fight, even the fight itself, the Saturday, the nerves, all that stuff? Do you miss that now? Well, shit, I'm in it. So yeah. <laughs> I'm enjoying the process, actually. 
I'm uh it's it's been a it's, this has been one of my more fun training camps like it's kind of weird I'm actually like um like the amount of days that I didn't look forward to training has been very seldom and so that's something that is I'm very happy about what do you think the difference is is it just a layoff or something else it was just an attitude you know just being grateful um knowing that uh god is in control and and you just kind of have to show up and do your best and that's really all you can ask for you know and then once once you're grateful and once you once you truly truly feel grateful not just knowing like yeah like this cup of orange juice is delicious and you know not everybody can have orange juice or i'm just fortunate to have an orange cup of orange juice it's like actually feeling that gratefulness that's like a whole nother level of of uh energy boost that you get that is hard to attain after a while or when when you're going through stuff but if you can get there man it's the most powerful most powerful feeling in the world do you miss being champion at all um i mean of course you know like just being able to say that you know that you have the bell i mean that's that's uh that's quite a feeling you know mm-hmm. but um yeah i think what i don't miss the way that i felt as a champion but i do miss i do miss having that belt though when you if say that makes the, sense. Yeah. No, well, when you say the way that you felt when you were a champion or as a champion, what did, what did that feel like? Um, felt a little bit like, uh, like <laughs> when you get up in front of everybody and, and it's your turn to like to, to dance and, but you ain't ready. You ain't got your moves right. <laughs> you know what I mean? Everybody's looking at you. That's kind of how it felt like, where you just got this, like, you feel like, uh, everybody's staring at you and then you don't, you know, you just ain't ready for it. That That's how it felt. Do you think but, in, maybe in hindsight, like it happened earlier than you expected or, or, or had planned for, like, you know, you were, you were 24, 23 now? No, I expected to be the champion as soon as I came off the ultimate fighter, you know, uh, that's something that I was, I've been working for, you know, um, but I just didn't really think past it. I didn't think, you know, what would it be like once I became the champions? Like I, I just thought I had it all figured out or not even, I didn't even really have it all figured out. I just, that was my goal, you know, and then I didn't really, I didn't really not only not prepare for after the fact, but I didn't really even have a playbook or, I mean, there's no playbook to this shit. It's all, it's all just, and that's why you kind of just have to be yourself and you just have to be honest and open to every experience every day. And just like, whatever, whatever's in your destiny is your destiny. And, you know, you just have to kind of do your best. Like I have something that's special that nobody else has, you know? Um, it's unique to me and obviously I mean there's there's all kinds of great athletes like you know all these all these fighters are special in their own particular way but um, I just have to believe in my own unique abilities and then just kind of see where it takes me and then just you know use my experiences to to help me with you know along every step are you the kind of person like do you watch the UFC events every Saturday does that help you get ready for these fights or are you the kind of fighter, and I've met many of them throughout the years, who don't watch anything, who don't really want to spend their Saturday <laughs> night watching fights? Um, norm, like, while I was, uh, for the longest time, I wasn't, you know, I, I wouldn't. But lately, I have been, and I actually have been enjoying the fights a lot lately. I've been, I've been a fan again, you know. Um, before, I was, shoot, I barely, yeah, I, I barely... I barely watched any UFC, especially while I was champion. I was just, like, I almost couldn't even turn it on for some reason I just like I get like too nervous or something watching it like I start shaking <laughs> but now it's it's really fun to watch why do you think you like it now um I don't know just uh yeah I don't know I think that's just um yeah yeah I just see it different yeah it's just a fight you know so I think it's I think I would just make it bigger than what it really was you know and really it's just like going there and fucking Go and swing for the fences, have some fun, you know? I wonder if you if you like the environment where there's no one really there. Like, it's just about the fight, right? There's no pomp and circumstance. There's no hoopla. It's just the fight in the empty arena. Do you, Does that kind of vibe, you know, mesh with you a little more? Um, <clears throat> That one, I mean, I think, I think, yeah, less is, I think that can be an advantage for me just because I have experience with 
being on the ultimate fighter and I didn't really have, there was, it was just, you know what I mean? No, it was just a gym and our coaches and that's it. <laughs> but, um, I don't know. I don't know if that is quite, you know, that might be one element to it, but I think I just really been enjoying seeing there's also been really good fights lately, you mm -hmm. know, um, people have been, I, I see, I think just, you see like the outward expression of like the, our world and what's going on and, and just people just going about their daily lives as much as possible, you know, regardless of what's going on. And I, I think that's kind of inspiring, you know? So uh, originally you were going to come back in April, right? On the Brooklyn card, 249. That was before the pandemic hit. And the fight is the same fight that's happening uh, July 11th, the Jessica Andrade rematch. Did you like that idea of fighting her, you know, in your next fight, immediate rematch and not fighting someone else? Oh, yeah. To me, it don't matter. You know, um, fight her, fight Whaley, fight Tatiana. It, like my next fight... Um, this fight in particular, like, obviously I do want, um, I do want to be Andres and fix, like correct that mistake. But honestly, I've, I've put that in the past and I'm, it's not like, um, at one point <laughs> I was like, I'm gonna get this, I'm gonna get this back, you know, but it, to me, it's just, it's just a fight, you know, Okay. now. Right. So you say you, you put it behind you. Um, have you even watched the first fight in, in preparation for this one? Um, I've watched it a few times. Yeah. Not not like recently, but like in the beginning of the camp, yeah. I still can't get over how good you looked in that first round. Like I, I still feel like, and correct me if you feel otherwise, that might have been like your best round as a UFC fighter. Do you agree with that? Hmm. You were flowing out there. I mean, your, your movement <laughs> was just incredible. Yeah. My striking did feel really good, um, but I think, I, I think just based off of the way that I felt, I definitely felt but like the way that I felt inside of like, maybe not just visually like looking at it, but comparatively from the outside, but the way that I felt as a fighter, I felt the best when I fought Joanna the first time. Like I just felt like a totally different experience that I never really, that, that is something that I've always, like, I think all fighters have that feeling mm. every once in a while or one, every once one fight. And then they, they try to chase that feeling again, <laughs> you know? It's like a drug, right? Chase that dragon. Yeah, or yeah, exactly. It's is a hell of a drug for sure. <laughs> yeah. Um, so the feeling of invincibility, you know. Right. Um, are you confident you can get back to that point? Um, based on my training and based on just my mentality and where everything is kind of led up to this point, it's definitely the makings for a spectacular performance. Okay. And maybe I would say, you know, hopefully the best, the best performance yet. I mean, my, my skill and my abilities and, and even just the control over my, myself has been the best it's ever been this whole training camp. So yeah, I'm looking forward to performing. And then the fight got pushed to May 9th. And then shortly thereafter, uh, you had to withdraw from the fight and we haven't heard from you. Uh, really for the last you know couple months in terms of interviews and whatnot um what we understand is from your manager brian butler unfortunately you you suffered a couple of losses in your family and i'm very sorry about that my condolences to your family do you mind telling us what happened um yeah so a couple family members um they're living in a hot spot where you know covid19 was and yeah they came down with it they got to put on ventilators and shortly in a few days it just happened like that you know passed away so yeah it was uh, for the longest time it was I've always been I mean just as a fighter you know we deal with I mean I had MRSA before we've done we deal with the work we deal with fate like uh we we face death in the face all the time you know like or just severe like serious injuries and things like that and so for the whole world to get shut down for something for a virus at first seemed like, you know, what, what is this? You know, like we didn't even know it was real. And then it hit home and it was like close to family. It was like, well, this is just like, it scared me. It shook me up a little bit. Um, and yeah, we just went through that process and, you know, um, now, um, I, you know, I grieved a little bit and then, uh, I feel better now. I feel like this is, um, 
you know, it's still, it still scares me, but at the same time, it's like, you know, so many other things scare me too. And so like, I, I, um, I feel like God is calling me to do this. You know, I read a, I read a Bible verse and it just kind of, it just told me like, um, there was like John nine, two through five. And it said that, uh, you know, um, I must work the works while it is day. And there, there comes a night when no man can work. And when I read that, it just kind of hit me like, this is, this is the time to work. Cause maybe there's going to be a day where nobody can work. And so this is what I'm, I'm called to do. And I got to do this, man. I'm really sorry. Yeah. I mean, it's just a horrible thing. And, and, you know, everyone understood why you would withdraw. I mean, even it was also fresh, no one knew like how safe it was going to be or not, but did you, did you just feel like you weren't in the right, you know, space mentally after suffering two, you know, tragedies like that to compete? Is that, was that ultimately why you withdrew from the, uh, the May 9th date? Yeah. I mean, I don't think, uh, yeah. I mean, there's, I've seen fighters that have had like deaths in their family and then they, they go out there and, um, everybody deals with death differently. You know what I mean? Um, for me, it just, it just wasn't a good idea, you know? And honestly, like, this is like, in, in a way it's been a reset for me, you know, like it puts things into perspective. Like I was just going into it before I was like, kind of just focused on, um, making trying to control everything around me and trying to trying to make all these situations perfect and all this stuff and then it was like everything just fell apart <laughs> you know everything was looking good and then everything just fell apart and then it was like it just was a wake-up call for me like I can't control anything but myself and that's that's what's the most important and so even though it was very tragic um I learned a lot from it and um you know, that, that's all we can do is we, all we can do is just, you know, keep praying, uh, and know that this, that, that this, this life is, uh, temporary, like everything's temporary. So yeah, I just gotta, you know, hopefully like, I mean, not everybody's the same, but for me, what helps me is, is, is believing in my higher power and, and knowing that I have a purpose and, this is, this is my purpose right now. It's not going to be my purpose forever, but this is, this is what I'm doing right now. And I got to make the most of it and, uh, enjoy it. How, how much time off did you take? I don't remember. I mean, it was all kind of a blur, you know, mm. like I yeah. think even, um, even when the, like, even before that, when it shut down, everything got like shut down. I was in pretty positive spirits, but just like the city itself was kind of gloomy and everything. So like once all that happened and everything nobody knew what was going on it was like it was just like a blur of like a month of what what felt like a month of just like kind of depression almost you know mm -hmm. yeah. and so uh once you started to get back and and uh was it a situation where like you told or your management told the ufc okay you know we're open to being rebooked now how did that work for you to get back on another card yeah so basically um yeah we were just uh i mourned a little bit and then sat around you know feeling all sad and then got over that and then um started to started to just just sitting at home and just thinking like reconnecting like getting spiritual again and um just sort of finding myself again I started to uh, like realize I got to do something and that's what that's why martial arts is so beautiful because um ever since I was little you know not having much control over my situation but when I did go to martial arts practice that gave me a sense of control over myself and so if I can control myself then no matter what's around me is happening at least I can control my reactions to that and so that's what it gave me and always gave me a sense of power over my situation. And so that's kind of what happened again is, you know, I was feeling sad and like, Oh, this is not fair. And then it, and then I started training again and then it felt good again. And then I read that Bible verse and then it was like, well, I guess it's time to work. <laughs> Jesus said so. <laughs> Have you always been religious or is this something new that's come to you? I, I think not. Um, yes, it's always been, I think, uh, you know, I think just like anybody, we all go through phases in our life of, for me, there's been times where I haven't, and then there's times where 
there's I've been through so many things that it's undeniable for me that this is what is my reality it doesn't have to be everybody else's but this is what this is what I experienced and so um more and more lately it's been more important in my life and um I think not having a father I think that played a lot into it but uh for me at least and that's that, that, that that's why I always said the Lord's prayer because I would be speaking to my father you know oh really I didn't I didn't meaning like like my your, heavenly father your heavenly father right <laughs> yeah. oh and you I I thought you only did that part of that second you want to fight you always did that always yeah At all, anytime I was in trouble or anytime I um I needed something <laughs> I always I mean and and now it's just now it's just a daily practice it's always I pray and then I finish off with the Lord's prayer just okay. in case I forgot something <laughs> right but, was that when you did it in the the weigh-in for the second you want to fight? Was that the first time you did it in the weigh-in, or is it just we noticed it maybe because you're you were you're no, that it? was the first time I did it at the weigh-in because that was like that was I felt like that whole experience was a very that was a whole spiritual experience itself. Just the whole build up to it, the the week of the fight, the afterward, like just the whole Joanna saga. That was I feel like that one day I'll write a book about that because wow. <laughs> um, there was so many like weird coincidences and weird things that I don't believe in coincidences no more, you know, and what I felt in that moment is that's what I needed. I needed my father at that moment. Wow. Um, so you are, uh, you are fighting on this card in Abu Dhabi and they just had the string of fights in Las Vegas. How did you feel about, you know, being on the quote unquote fight Island card as opposed to one that's, you know, just a few hours away from you in Las Vegas. Did you like the idea of going overseas? Hell no, <laughs> but you know, uh, at the same time, it is kind of cool. Um, yeah, after going to Brazil, I was like, I never do that, but then I always say that, and then I end up, you know, um, like I said, it's it's. Um, I feel that's something that I just, I just think it's the perfect timing, you know. So I think the timing's better than the like is more important than the location. Plus, yeah. Yeah, we got offered it in Vegas a little bit later. And, um, you know, I didn't know what was going to happen with this whole mm. stuff going on. And so I just – and, yeah, and then I read that Bible verse. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> yeah, that's what Jesus says. So um, I just – it just – I felt it in my heart, like, this is what I need to go do. Um, yeah, Abu Dhabi's kind of far. But it's kind of weird because, like, prior to – when the fight was still on before they were talking about it being in the middle east before they, it ended up being in florida and mm -hmm. so it just almost seems like maybe that's the like maybe that's where i'm getting pulled to for some reason you know and you know, we don't really know why but mm, i i don't know i think it's i think it's cool and you know just just me being more spiritual now it's like it's kind of spiritual grump uh, stomping grounds and there's you know, Jerusalem ain't far. There's all the Middle East. It's, it's a lot of tension on going on over there. And it's just, uh, but it, it's so cool. Like I've, um, yeah, I've also been learning a little bit about, you know, Islam and just, and it's, it's pretty interesting actually like diving down in deep into it too. Wow. Are you doing this all by yourself? No, just by, my, by myself. That's yeah, cool. Yeah. I just, I'd be going down the rabbit holes, but, <laughs> but you know, it, it's also just, it's, it's just something I like to do. And it's all, I think it's just a never ending journey, you know? Mm -hmm. um, yeah. So my understanding is you guys have to fly to Las Vegas and you take a test there and then you quarantine and then you get on a charter plane. And when you land in Abu Dhabi, you take a test and then you go to the hotel and take another test and then another test after the weigh-ins and then a fifth test after the fight. And, and there's all these procedures and it's like, you're living in a bubble. Have you wrapped your head around all this stuff? And also in addition to that, uh, you're fighting in the middle of the night or very, very early in the morning, right? You'll be fighting at like 7 a.m. or so or 6.30 or so uh, to cater yeah. to the North American audience. How do you feel about all the other stuff that comes along with fighting overseas? Um, I feel, you know, obviously that can, that can seem daunting, but I'm, I'm fine with it. I, I have faith that everything's going to be okay. Okay. Um, yeah. I mean, it, it'll be an experience. So I'm, I'm just like, God, you know, I'm a, I'm gonna take care of my part. I'm gonna control myself, but the external, the external situations, I can't control none of that. So, my understanding is it won't be outside. It will be like in an enclosed area. Um, okay. 
in, in I'm in ready New- for whatever. So, yeah. you know, right. will you stay on like mountain time zone because you'll technically be fighting at like 9 PM Denver time as opposed to 7 AM. Yeah. Abu Dhabi time. Does that just make more sense? It makes more sense because I don't even think we'll have enough time to like, you know, uh, acclimate, not acclimate, but like switch over times, you know, cause it's only, right. we'll probably get there like, you know, seven, eight days before. Um, I was just wondering, uh, I spoke to Zhang Wei Li recently and she uh, told me before your fight got announced that she wanted to fight you next. Was there any, ever any talk of that fight happening as opposed to this one? Um, no, like obviously prior to, wait, was it like a long time ago there was, but like, I mean, I, that was when I was still not fighting. Okay. Do you think that you'll like, is this fight basically for the title? I mean, that would seem only obvious, but like, yeah, I'm not thinking about that. You know what I mean? Um, but yeah, I mean, I love to fight her one day, but you know, she's a true martial artist and like, she's like, she's the shit, but, um, yeah, but yeah, I'm, I'm only thinking about this fight right now. And yeah, if something happens with Andres, she steps in and great, but you know what I mean? Like this is, this is what's happening right now. You know, did you see her fight against Joanna? I did. Yeah. Did you? think as highly of it as everyone else uh that's the thing like this okay it was a great fight and like joanna both of them is some savages for sure however the only gripe that i have about it being like the best fight ever or whatever is that people always say that like i don't think that that's a good thing like to um i don't think that that's a good thing to have the best fight ever based on how people look at the best fights ever they always like if you think about the best fights when people say that it's always a lack of defense like people is getting hit a lot <laughs> you know what i'm saying like to me that's not the best fight ever if you look at um my fight against you know, the second fight you know cuz that went all five rounds you know my head movement was shoot shoot you know what i mean <laughs> so like i mean i got i got a little bit of a, a busted lip but i mean other than that or maybe i don't remember like a little scratch here and there, but that was mostly just from me slipping the punches like perfectly, like out of the way. So to me, it was, it was an awesome display of art or heart. And I was like truly impressed with, um, with both of them. But at the same time, like only so much, you know what I mean? Like it wasn't the best fight ever. Like to me, I feel like I look at fights differently than most, most of fans do. Like even, even the last fight, um, last night, that was an amazing fight, but, I wouldn't say that's the best fight of the year that Dustin Poirier versus Dan Hooker because they was just like just getting hit, like taking so much damage. And to me, like, it's cool because like to see the heart, but like I like to see like skill too. You know, I like to see like, you know, defense and um, on top of on top of like just outworking somebody and just beating them up. You know what I mean? Like to me, like good head movement and like, like footwork and like and also being able to just like like um you know it was the greatest fight ever recently was the josh emmett versus the other dude i forgot with the, with Shane the hair Burgos. yes dude that was like a beautiful display of like both two different styles like that was to me that was like the fight of the year you know better than and yeah i don't know it's so great to have you back i think the fans i mean they really missed you i'm sure you've seen that people have really missed seeing you fight thug rose thug rose they're all very excited. It's one of the most anticipated fights on the UFC 251 card. And it's great to see you smiling. It's great to see you uh, inspired and in a good place. And, and I personally can't wait to see you back on July 11th. So again, belated, happy birthday to you. Thank you so much for the time. My best to your family and good luck on July 11th. All right, man. Thank you so much. <clears throat> ESPN Tournament Challenge is here. And guess what? I'm doing my bracket right now. Making picks, predicting upsets, winning my bracket group and leaving my old life as a part-time voice actor behind. Hey, you never know. And if I can do it while recording this awesome commercial, you can too. Anyone can bracket. Download the ESPN Tournament Challenge app to play the number one bracket game. Presented by Allstate. ESPN Tournament Challenge is here. And guess what? I'm doing my bracket right now. Making picks, predicting upsets, Winning my bracket group and leaving my old life as a part-time voice actor behind. Hey, you never know. 
And if I can do it while recording this awesome commercial, you can too. Anyone can bracket. Download the ESPN Tournament Challenge app to play the number one bracket game. Presented by Capital One. That was the first time that I spoke to Rose Namunis since our interview back in November. In November, she was very emotional talking about uh, continuing as a fighter and trying to regain her love of the sport. It's very clear that she loves the sport again. Of course, she she suffered those two tragedies not that long ago with two family members uh, dying due to COVID-19. But it seems like she, you know, when you're not able to watch the sport and enjoy the sport as champion, something's wrong. And perhaps not having that pressure, not having everyone look at her, bother her, ask for interviews, all that stuff, maybe it's a little different. Maybe she prefers that lifestyle more. I still think she has another title run left in her. I still think she's the second best straw weight on the planet. And I would love one day to see that fight against Zhang Weili. And I think if she wins this fight, she's probably next for Zhang Weili. So, um, or maybe if they do Zhang versus Yuana rematch right away, which I could see happening as well, uh, she'll fight the winner of that fight. And of course, she has two wins over Yuana. So she's still very much in play, but I can't wait for that fight. One of many great fights happening uh, later this month, because it is July 1st in Abu Dhabi. Now, uh, the UFC has four shows in Abu Dhabi, and a lot of people have been so focused on the UFC, and rightfully so, that I feel like we're forgetting about all the other organizations that make MMA so great. And so I wanted to just give you a quick update on where these other organizations stand. And let's start with Bellator, because Bellator is almost the only one that we don't know much about. And it's kind of shocking to me that no one is talking about Bellator. Like, I don't get a lot of questions about Bellator. I don't get a lot of uh, tweets, DMs, things like that. Like, where's Bellator? I miss Bellator. That's concerning. If I'm Bellator, I'm starting to worry about the fact that I'm out of sight, out of mind, that people don't miss me. They need to come back soon, in my opinion. Of course, do it the right way and the smart way and the healthy way. But they've lost a lot of momentum this year, in my opinion, and some of it obviously not their fault, but they haven't done a good job, in my opinion, of staying top of mind. So the latest I'm hearing is they're shooting for a return July 24th, maybe in Connecticut, maybe in California. They have some some tentative cards planned out, and they're going to do a bunch of them in a row. But they need to get rolling in terms of getting people excited with their plans and their fight cards and their fighters. They can only do you know shows in America for now, but they do have that European series, which they're hoping to do in the fall as well, from what I'm hearing. So July 24th, tentatively, I would circle that on your calendar for Bellator's debut, but it could change. It's very fluid. I've heard multiple dates, but that's the last one that I've heard. One championship, they're going to return in Thailand on July 31st. So that is good news. Cage Warriors announced recently they're going to do Three shows back to back to back, September 24th, 5th, and 26th in the UK. Invicta FC returns on Thursday, July 2nd. So little old Invicta FC still chugging along, and they're beating uh, Bellator to the punch. Uh, PFL, as we know, they're foregoing their season. They may do some shows at the end of this year, but that's all very fluid, and they want to return with their regular season in uh, 2021. Combate Americas is going to return August 28th. They also have announced shows September 11th and 25th. LFA is returning uh, July 10th, so that's next week. They also have shows planned for the 17th, 24th, and 31st of July in South Dakota. KSW is returning July 11th in Warsaw, so that is great news as well. Uh, Brave CF is returning July 20th in Bucharest. They have another show planned for July 27th. And Titan FC uh, has already returned. They've had a couple of shows so far. They returned uh, May 29th. The last one that we don't know much about in terms of the major promotions, I know there's a ton, but the last one is Ryzen. Uh, they're targeting a show potentially later on this month or early August, but thus far they haven't finalized the date just yet. So there's your update on the other MMA promotions, and I think it's good to support them. It's important to support them because, you know, MMA is not just about the UFC. It's about everyone as well. All right, now time for everyone's favorite segment of the week. It is time for TST's Minimalist Tip of the Week. And as always, it is brought to you by our good friends over at Modelo. Modelo Especial. Setting the gold standard for authentic Mexican beer since 1925. Modelo, brewed for those with a fighting spirit. TST's Minimalist Tip of the Week. Well, this week's topic, Ariel, uh, I know a lot of people have been dying to hear my thoughts on minimalist dating, but I'm not sure if people are going to like what I have to say here. Oh, no. Okay, so as a minimalist, we are always trying to cut out the unnecessary, the things that do not add value to our lives, of course. So uh, in dating, a, a trend I notice is that a lot of people, they do not like to show their true colors past a certain point or until a certain point, you know, maybe six months 
nine months in, a year in, two years in, I won't show to my partner the person that I'm seeing my true self. And as a minimalist, minimalists do not do that because minimalists are very secure in themselves. They do a lot of introspection because of being a minimalist. They ask themselves all these types of questions. They are very comfortable not being in relationships at all because they will not waste time on people who will uh, wait a certain amount of time. Minimalists are very authentic. They like surrounding themselves with authentic. So they are willing to not be in relationships with people who are not willing to be themselves from the get-go because a minimalist will see a relationship with someone like that who uh, wastes time essentially before showing their true colors. They will consider that a waste and a minimalist does not like to ever waste time, waste any time in their lives or waste their valuable time with people who may not be worth it in the end. Wow. Okay. Look at uh, TST dropping the hammer on the dating scene, especially during this very lonely time for everyone. Jeez. Yeah. Negative lately, TST. Uh, hey, I'm not negative at all. I'm trying to be as positive as possible, but I am a realist, and I think you have to be in these times as well. I appreciate that. Thank you very much, TST. As always, the TST Minimalist Tip of the Week. Presented by our good friends over at Modelo, Modelo Especial. Perhaps you will enjoy a Modelo on this July 4th, Independence Day. Again, happy Canada Day to all my Canadian friends and family. Happy July 4th as well. I'm very proud to be living here in America. And I know July 4th is a big one for everyone. It's going to be probably a bit of a different one, hopefully, for everyone practicing their social distancing and being safe and all that stuff. I know I'll be safe in my house. How can I watch the fireworks? I'm not so sure about that just yet. I'll figure that out. And, of course, no UFC this weekend, but they are back with their first show in Abu Dhabi, July 11th, a week from Saturday, UFC 251, three title fights on that card. Rosna Muniz on the card as well. And I'm sure we'll be talking a lot about that next Monday with DC, DC and Hawani, and of course, next Wednesday as well. For now, though, we're out of time. Thank you so much to all of you for listening, downloading, subscribing, rating, reviewing. Please continue to do that. Doing that, honestly, it doesn't seem like a lot, but it allows me to keep doing this show for all of you, and it allows us to do it uh, for free and without people haggling us over, you know, sort of inconsequential things like time limit and all that. You know what I'm talking about. Anyway, have a great weekend, my friends. Thanks for watching. Thanks for listening. I appreciate it. I love you all. I'll talk to you next week.